Hi, everybody. I'm Ashley. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity. Happy Sunday to you all. Happy Christ the King Sunday, actually. Uh, today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday before the season of Advent. This Sunday has been historically a time in the church for us to be reminded that we do, in fact, have a king, that Jesus is our king, and we belong to his kingdom, and his kingdom is sure, and it is secure, and we are therefore sure and secure in his kingdom, which feels like, I think, at least for myself, a really timely uh, reminder. This is also the last Sunday in our series on the Holy Spirit. We've spent these last several weeks, the first two, thinking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit through the words of Jesus. And then these final two, we've been thinking together more specifically about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do uh, today. So if you have Bibles, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will, as is our habit, uh, read, and then we will pray. Chapter 12, verse 8, Paul writes, To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, we are so thankful for the gift of your word and your promise, Lord, to be with us, to be near to us. Today, Lord, we remember you, King Jesus as our sovereign, the one who is sovereign over us and all things. And we entrust, Lord, this time to you. Here now, together in your word, but also, Lord, these times that we are in. As an act of faith, Lord, now we offer those times up to you. It is good to belong to you, Jesus. Lead us, guide us, and direct us now, Holy Spirit, so that we might hear from him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to think together, um, following up where we left off last week, of the same passage, even more specifically about these gifts that Paul is talking about. Before we do, I just want to give um, a kind of disclaimer, just to acknowledge here at the outset that there are no doubt, many of us who feel somewhat skeptical, even cynical, about these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's not without good reason. That's because many of us have either known personally or probably known of people who were just, you know, crazy, uh, manipulative even when it came to their engagement uh, with the gifts of the Spirit. Or at least that's how it's felt to us. And I'll just acknowledge alongside of you that has been true even in my own life. No doubt many of us have known people like that or had those experiences. Here's what I want to say with that in mind, is that that is true. Those things have, in fact, happened to a lot of us. And yet, y'all, there are always going to be counterfeits for really good things. That's just always the case. Whether it's bourbon or leather or your favorite pair of jeans, there's always going to be um, some imitation, uh, some... Uh, sort of half version of that. And here's what I also know to be true. 
that the more experience you have of the real thing, really good bourbon, really good leather, the easier it becomes to identify the imitations. And that's also true of spiritual gifts. The more experience you have of what's real and right and good and true, the easier it becomes to just sort of let the other stuff go. So that's what I want to say to you, that these spiritual gifts, when they happen, as God intends for them to happen, that they are, in fact, real and important and powerful. So here at the beginning, let's just sort of open up our hearts and minds and ask the Lord to give us an imagination for something, even, maybe even bring redemptive healing to us um, when it comes to how we think about and ask for and even live or experience the gifts of the Spirit in our own lives. In light of this passage, I want to say uh, just three things to you. Uh, we only had a few verses to look at, and so there are three things that come to mind that I want to say about spiritual gifts. The first is about these gifts just generally speaking. The second is about the gift of prophecy. And the third thing is going to be about the gift of tongues specifically. Prophecy and tongues, what an exciting day. All right, here's the first thing. The first thing uh, Paul says is we don't choose our gifts. The Spirit decides. Beginning in verse 8, uh, Paul basically gives us this list of nine spiritual gifts. And he goes on to say, not all Christians are going to experience all of these gifts. In fact, it's likely that you won't experience all of them. And that's okay. It doesn't mean anything other than the fact that God just chose not to give you that particular gift. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't want, desire, ask for all these gifts. We just have to remember that ultimately we don't get to choose. Ultimately, that choice belongs to the Lord, that the Spirit, Paul says, is going to allot or distribute these gifts as he sees fit, as he determines. So how do we know what gifts we might have? Uh, in my experience, circumstances have been really helpful in helping uh, me determine which gifts are needed in a particular moment. Now, I think we maybe a lot of us could say there are gifts that come really naturally to us, things that we could say we might even see reflected on that list, like that's a gift I, I know I have. And then there are others maybe that we don't have any experience of. So how do we know uh, which ones we're, we're meant to have? I think our circumstances are really helpful on this point. For example, I found myself, myself in situations where I've been you know, praying for someone before and sort of suddenly felt prompted to just ask the Lord for the gift of healing for this person. Now, I am not someone who would consider myself a person who is a healer or a miracle worker. And yet, in that moment, that was, that was the sense. That was the call. Ask, pray for a gift of healing. And so I have. There have been other moments when I've found myself in a really difficult or complicated situation or conversation in which I really needed perspective, like now, in the moment, and have asked God, really pleaded with him for the gift of wisdom. And he's been so faithful um, in giving those gifts. Now, there are also going to be certain gifts that I've never experienced. That doesn't mean that I don't want them or ask for them, but I just may not have them. But here's what I've decided, that if it turns out that I never experienced those gifts, it's going to be because the Lord chose not to give them to me, not because I didn't ask for them, not because I didn't demonstrate a desire uh, to have them, that's the, really the question, the call to us in a moment like this, is would we be willing to open up our hearts, minds, and imaginations just to ask for these gifts that the Lord has put in front of us? We said it last week, and it bears repeating. 
this really beautiful verse from Paul. He says, pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. He's going to go on to say, in the latter part of that verse, especially that you might prophesy. And so that leads us to our second point on the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is the ability to hear God speaking in the present. The gift of prophecy is the ability to hear God speaking in the present. Not only or primarily a gift of fortune-telling or predicting the future, which is how we often think of it. When we think of prophets or the gift of prophecy, that's what we imagine. Somebody who is a kind of fortune-teller, somebody whose job it is to predict the future or tell us what we should do about a specific thing. And we've all probably rightly, with good reason, are suspicious, um, have been suspicious of people who are always sort of making predictions about the future, particularly when those predictions would seem to be in the service of uh, their own agendas. One of my favorite Old Testament scholars, his name is uh, Walter Brueggemann, he wrote this really brilliant book called The Prophetic Imagination. And in this book, he talks about um, the gift of prophetic ministry. And this is what he says. He says that prophetic ministry is really about developing and giving a voice to an alternative vision or a way of thinking from the dominant culture around us. So prophetic ministry is really about being able to give voice to an alternate vision, an alternative voice, way of thinking from the dominant culture around us. And so what that means for me and for you is, I think, a lot of things. But in this season, I've been thinking about this. Like, if, if it is true that my vision of the future, my hope for the kingdom of heaven, is too closely aligned, maybe even perfectly aligned, with any particular political party or even any one person, that that's probably good reason to pause. Because it's very likely that what ha what's happened is that I have allowed dominant voices to really dominate and shape my vision in ways that they weren't intended to. They've taken up space that really ultimately should belong to the Lord. You know, I think we need more prophets. I feel this in my own life. And I don't mean the, like annoying charlatan kind. We really don't need more of those. We could stand to do uh, and to have less of them. But we do need more people whose minds and hearts have been shaped by God's word and prayer. People who are practiced in keeping God's good future, his hope in front of them, enough to know how to speak words of hope into the present in a way that aligns and realigns us sometimes with God's future. I think that's the best understanding of prophecy. And that can happen any number of ways. While I'm praying, maybe a vision or a person comes to mind. Maybe it's an actual voice. Maybe I'm writing a song and feel inspired, and I can't even know or begin to imagine the ways that God's going to use that. This is a gift that Paul is saying, with good reason, we should eagerly desire, especially this gift, so that we can hear and have access to God's voice in the present. The story that comes to mind for for me, a really helpful image. You remember the story from Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel is in exile, and God takes him on a kind of field trip vision, vision field trip, and they're in this valley. All of a sudden, Ezekiel looks out, and he sees this valley's full of dry bones. And God says uh, to Ezekiel, he says to Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the bones. Say to them, 
Dry bones, hear the word of God. Speak to them. Tell them they will live. And I've held that vision in front of me a a lot because I think it's a really helpful way to understand the way that prophecy is supposed to work. Here, Ezekiel finds himself in the midst of these really desperate circumstances, something that seems impossible to him. And God says, I want you to prophesy in a moment like this, Ezekiel. I want you to look into what feels or seems impossible, into the despair, and speak a word of hope. I want you to say, you will live. That's a beautiful way of understanding how prophecy is meant to function, I think, um, in our lives, what God intends it for. All right, lastly, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is an invitation to intimate prayer. That's what Paul says. When Paul's talking about speaking in tongues, Paul is basically talking about a language for prayer. The gift of tongues is an ability to pray in a way that allows a person's spirit to sort of speak directly to God, almost as if the limits of language are like temporarily lifted. Some of you may have even experienced this, either yourself or been around people as they've been praying this way. It's almost as if when a person is praying so fervently, so intensely, that it's like their words just can't really keep up with what they're trying to say. And the Holy Spirit takes over. He begins to pray for them and through them. It is, in short, I believe, an invitation into a deeply personal way to pray. And that's why it should be for all of us a gift that we really desire to experience that, the Lord that way through our time of prayer. If you've maybe never had an experience of, of tongues, I can put this one in front of you. I remember one time we were praying together here as a staff and just um, as a secret. Your pastors do speak in tongues. I don't know if you know that, but it has happened. And on this particular occasion, uh, we were together, we were praying, and I was asking this circle of people I was praying with, I was telling them about something that was really hard happening in my life, a fear that I felt. And we started to pray together. And one of the people in that circle began to pray in tongues. And I will just tell you, it wasn't crazy. It didn't freak me out. It didn't feel chaotic. In fact, the opposite is true. It felt peaceful and fervent and bold. And I, as a result, felt empowered so that the fear that I was confessing before this group of people just kind of went away. It was, in other words, evidence of an intentionality, a kind of zeal or a fervent way of of praying and interceding with the Lord. You can have that, is what Paul is saying. I believe the invitation is for all of us to begin to pray exactly that way. And if we ever have needed a time when we could connect intimately with the Lord, hear from him and intercede for other people, I believe it's in the season like the one we're in. All right, this is the last thing, and I'll leave you with this. It's been such a gift to me, to us, to spend these last few weeks thinking together about the person work and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to leave you with this image as you pray into um, what your life with the Spirit's going to look like in the coming weeks. The first time we meet the Holy Spirit in the Bible is in the story of creation. Chris has mentioned this a couple of times, but uh, the Spirit moves in over a creation, which is at that point formless and void, a kind of wad of chaos. 
And the spirit moves in, and the Bible says the spirit begins to hover over the chaos so that eventually order and life, all these things begin to flourish as a result. But the word hover is such an important one. It's a really intentional one, I think. It's a really vivid word. The imagery there is really powerful. That same verb gets used later on in the book of Deuteronomy. And the image at that point um, is of an eagle, an eagle that is lighting on her nest. And in Deuteronomy, the text says this eagle hovers over her chicks who are hatched out uh, in the nest. And so you're meant to imagine the same verb, same image of this eagle hovering over its uh, newly born chicks. How sort of powerful, impressive, comforting, and also intimidating something like that would be. In Deuteronomy, the text tells us that the eagle swoops um, to the nest lifts the chicks up on her wings and carries them um, to a high cliff, sets them up in a high place, takes them higher than they believed that they were capable of going. God says through Deuteronomy, and this is exactly what I will do for you, for you, O Israel. And I think the imagery there is really important for us. I believe this is a promise from God that the work of the Holy Spirit is to come close to us, to comfort us, yes, he is our paraclete, He gives us peace. He reassures us of God's promises over us and for us. But he is also the God of Pentecost. He is the eagle alighting on her nest. And so there is a challenge also that comes with that comfort. God intends to challenge us, to take us to new heights and new places so that our faith can go deeper, our experience of him can go deeper. The Holy Spirit longs both to comfort you and to challenge you. So let's spend these next few weeks thinking together about what that might mean for us. I want to leave you with these questions. Just two of them. Then we're going to move into a time of just reflective prayer. Time for you to be with the Spirit. You can think about these questions and talk about them together in your groups if you'd like. Here's the first. Looking at Paul's list of gifts, is there one that stands out to you? Either because it's challenging or because you would like to experience it. Secondly, name some ways that you are experiencing the comfort of God right now. What does that look like in your life? Name some ways that you think God might also be challenging you to grow. Can you name those things? Let's spend this time together in prayer with the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. As we move into this time of response and reflection, let's again, once again, say, Come, Holy Spirit. And for you, that might be simply closing your eyes and putting your hands out in front of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we have need of you. God, as we think of that experience of the early church in the upper room where you sent your spirit on Pentecost, where you filled them with your goodness, you filled them with your life, and you filled them with power and with your gifts. Lord, we want to be open to your gifts. We want to be open to your power, to your presence flowing through us. 
So we say, come Holy Spirit. Use us. Fill us. Come, Lord Jesus. Come fill us with your spirit. We give you permission to fill us with your spirit, Lord. Jesus. God, that is our prayer. Come and fill us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. And now if you're able, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.